welcome to the Turkey Hunter Podcast with me, your host, Andy Galliano. In this podcast, I share with turkey hunters just like you how to have more turkeys on your hunting property and how to have more successful turkey hunts. I teach you how to do this with tips and interviews with turkey hunting pros, wildlife management tips, and entertaining turkey hunting stories. Tune in weekly as I share proven and simple strategies to help you have more success this turkey season. Make sure to head over to www.iamturkeyhunting.com to subscribe to receive free turkey hunting tips, tactics, strategies, and product reviews. Also, please visit and like my Facebook fan page. Go to Facebook and search I Am Turkey Hunting. And also feel free to post your turkey hunting photos from this past season and let us know where and when you killed your bird. For all of you Twitter users out there, please follow me on Twitter where my handle is at turkeyhitman and I will be sure to follow you back. And now, for this week's show. Hello and welcome back to this week's episode of the Turkey Hunter Podcast. You are listening to episode number 291, the 2020 turkey season recap episode. And I am your co-host and the guy who is experiencing a little wild turkey delirium tremens. And I am your co-host and the guy who started map scouting for next season today. <laughs> so I think we're both in the same boat on the delirium tremens or however you say that. It is never too early to start map scouting. Well, I agree with you. And when it's 90 degrees outside, it's a good time to be doing it. That is a good point. And hey, so I, I want to say something before we go too far. Mm-hmm. Since it's related to our topic for this week anyway, congratulations. Thank you. Congratulations on your Minnesota turkey. And congratulations to you on your Michigan turkey. Thank you, sir. Yeah, we both had an exciting finish to the year. Yes, we did. And I thought it would be enough to kind of hold me over. It never is. Mm. It just made me want more. I know. It, especially when you see that they're still gobbling good there on the last day. It's like, man, I could keep doing this. Yeah. <laughs> Why are they making me quit? <laughs> exactly. And, I, you know, the turkeys were just right. Oh, yeah. In the Midwest, in the upper Midwest. I yeah, mean, were... gosh, I just don't know that it could have gotten any better as far as timing goes. We the weather a... hit just right. For your trip, for the weekend part of that trip, for us, which was your trip up there, it was beautiful. That was a main reason, you know, there were multiple reasons why I went, but... When I saw that weather forecast, I knew with what you had told me was going on with the turkeys and that kind of weather, I thought it's the perfect storm. I mean, there's going to be birds ready to die that day. Yeah. So. Well, for for me, it's been a while since I've actually been able to hunt turkeys that were not henned up at fly down or very shortly after fly down. Yeah. That's you always know, a, a nice thing, too. Yeah, the turkeys at the hunting club in Alabama would fly down towards the end of the season and they would gobble pretty well, but it wouldn't take them long before they'd have a hen come in. Maybe that hen would leave after she got bred, or maybe the gobbler would leave with the hen. You never really knew what happened. Yeah. But we hit this pretty well 
right on the head as far as timing goes hit it just perfectly yeah i mean i assume annually there can be years where you're too early or too late at that point late season like that but yeah. this year it lined up just right it was perfect so yeah i know we both were excited we both had some great experiences to finish out the year and it was, it was sad to see it go you know that last day sitting there just realizing this is it the last turkey i'm gonna see for the foreseeable future and you never know if you're gonna get to see another one but always can hope we get to see it one more time yeah no joke Another nice surprise about that trip was, let's see, I was approximately 13 hours driving time away from home, and you were approximately 10 hours driving time away from home, and I got to see you on this trip. <laughs> yeah, it was. You know, as your buddy John said, you know, thanks for swinging by. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I dro drove 10 hours. <laughs> but... It was well worth it, man. I I couldn't help but, you know, I talked, I believe, two episodes about, and last week when I was on my own, I've been wanting to go to Minnesota for the past two weekends, and so just to catch everybody up to speed, seeing the weather and everything this weekend, my wife told me, you know, hey, I'm going shopping all day Saturday. So I had everything aligned perfectly to where I could just go. And so rather than take off the day at work, I left Friday at 4 o'clock, when I got off work, our office is closing at four on Fridays during the summer. And I cut out, drove to Minnesota, got there three o'clock the next morning and hunted that morning and killed my bird and then went and hung out with Andy and his buddies for the remainder of the day, which was a blast. And then headed home. <laughs> <laughs> so, so, you know, I just swung by to see Andy and his buddies, you know, and kill a turkey and then just, you know, headed home after a good morning hunt. Yeah. Yeah, y'all were at the the final swing of your turkey tour, and so y'all were have been chasing them for what was that? When I saw you, nine days was that the ninth day of the trip? Yeah, that's about right. Yeah, so y'all had been after them for a while, and y'all found some success. I mean, I know your buddy Chip, who we had an episode earlier in the year from Georgia. We helped him check off Georgia earlier this year. He killed in three states. And then John checked off two states, and you checked off one new state. So yeah, that's a that's a heck of a trip. It was a good trip. Lots of good fellowship. And, you know, you and I have talked about this. One of my top two things about this, about these trips, is the characters that you meet along the way. <sighs> Always. For some reason, it's turkey hunting trips specifically. Yeah. I've taken other trips, but turkey hunting trips, you're going to meet a character. Oh, yeah. Person-wise. You might meet a character turkey, but you're going to meet a person character as well. Yes, indeed. This trip was not short of introductions to new and different characters. So I I just thoroughly enjoy that. You know, it's it's kind of a neat little twist on things. We met some great people in Wisconsin, met some great people in Michigan who gave us permission to hunt their private ground, and just met some good folks in Minnesota as well. And it, it just, I mean, it's just a great time. It really is. And then, you know, being, being able to hang out for several days with some college buddies that you've got a lot of memories with uh, yeah. over the years was just icing on the cake yeah yeah I'd, I'd say when i first started the 
Super Slam quest, which you are the main reason I did that. It was more so about killing the turkeys, and every time I go somewhere, I realize how, one, the different terrains and things like that, but I've met so many people who, although it's a brief clip of my life, a day, an hour, 10 minutes, whatever, they have an impression on me, you know, whether it's funny or whatever it is, but it's a memory that I'm going to have for a long time. And I'd say that right there is one of the main reasons I've enjoyed going to all these different states. You just have different cultures. People act different. People talk different. And you never know who you're going to run into out there. Very true. So that's been a, you know, (laughs) I've met some interesting people. You know, some some people I wasn't too happy to see, like the guy from my Tennessee episode who was gobbling on his uh, electronic device. Yeah. And but I've met some really nice people as well who, like you said, in Michigan, people gave y'all permission to hunt. I mean, that you can't beat those kind of contacts. So it, yeah. it was, that, that part of it's great. Definitely not something to be undersold. Yeah, no doubt. So let's do a quick countdown. Yeah, we got to start all over, folks. So the good news is every episode from here on out, you're closer to turkey season. <laughs> that is true. Right now, we're a long way. Right now in Alabama, we are 289 days, 12 hours, 34 minutes, and 45 seconds away from opening day of spring turkey season. And to make matters worse, we're 304 days, 12 hours, and 7 minutes from opening day of turkey season in Tennessee, where we will now have a three-bird limit, by the way. Yeah, you know, I think that's a pretty good move on it's Tennessee's part. It's a great move. And honestly, I won't divulge too much here, but I think they would have gone to a two-bird limit, but Tennessee has invested millions of dollars in a turkey study that concludes at the end of next season. And the main guy behind that said, if you drop it to two, you're going to skew our data. Hmm. And so you've basically thrown millions of dollars away right here at the end. So he's when they brought up dropping it to three, he was like, that won't skew the data because only, I think, four or six percent of Tennessee hunters harvest a fourth bird. So it's really not going to skew the data at all. And they dropped it to three. So I wouldn't doubt if this study concludes what I'm hoping it concludes, I wouldn't doubt if Tennessee goes to a two bird limit in the future springs. That's interesting. So the biologist didn't have anything to say about how COVID has skewed yeah, I mean, the data? That, I mean, you don't I have wa- any control over that, but still, you know it's yeah. got to have an effect. I watched the whole commission meeting. I mean, obviously COVID had a big effect, but, and and what I enjoyed seeing, and I haven't seen before with these commission meetings, is every person up there realizes and spoke about, we have an issue. I'm not seeing as many turkeys as I used to see. All my hunters in my district are telling me they're not seeing as many turkeys as they used to see, but yet we have had a record harvest. So they all are recognizing we have an issue. And that was very refreshing to me. So the study they're doing, what they're doing is they have some counties that are like they're, this is the experiment counties. And it's a certain section of Tennessee. And in those counties, they're delaying the season two weeks later. And it's a two-bird limit in those counties. Hmm. And so the rest of the counties are normal. Same season as always, three-bird limit now, then four. But what they're looking at and they're monitoring is the pulp production in the counties where they 
delay the season two weeks and only have a two bird limit. And I believe what it's going to show is if the pulp production numbers are way higher in those counties than they are in the surrounding counties or than they were before they imposed those restrictions, they're going to, I mean, I think that's going to be a lead for a lot of Southern states. That's what the commission guy was saying, that the head commissioner was saying, you know, we might be, this study could be revolutionary for the whole Southeast pretty much that we're starting our seasons too early and we're impacting our pulp production, which is something Dr. Chamberlain's been kind of preaching. So I think it's going to be interesting. I, I honestly, I hope, that the pulp production in those control counties is way higher than the other counties so that we realize we're killing our gobblers too quickly. And that's just kind of my hope at least. Yeah. So it's an interesting study, you know, one way or the other, it's going to conclude one thing or another. And I hope it helps turkeys. That's the main thing. (laughs) Yeah. Well, and I know our audience feels the same way. Yeah. I mean, even if it doesn't conclude that it gives us more insight into what's going on because I don't know, you know, there are people who say, you know, my farm has more turkeys than ever. Well, as Dr. Chamberlain said on the podcast we had with him, over a broad landscape, such as the whole state, turkey numbers are down. And that's obvious. So I'm hoping this study will give us insight into a way we can increase our populations back up. So not to divulge off of our main topic of the 2020 recap, but that's something I'm just super interested in right now. I thought I'd share that. Yeah. So speaking of the 2020 season recap, why don't you start out? How many new states did you mark off of the list this year? So I killed in eight new states and nine killed total states, including Tennessee, which is my home state. And then I saw a miss in another state and hunted one state that I was unsuccessful in the treacherous Arkansas. Yeah. (laughs) So it was a banner year. I mean, eight states in one year, new states. It just seemed like it was one of those years where everything, you know, if I chose to set up, it happened to be the perfect tree to sit at. I always happened upon the turkey who was ready to die. It was just one of those years. So next year I'm expecting nothing, but hopefully I'm wrong. But it just was one of those years where things went well. And I had a lot of preparation, and I gave it everything I had every time I went out, and that helps a lot. And I'll take every ounce of luck that ever wants to grace me. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, no doubt. It's a heck of a season, and um, especially with COVID and all the crisis that's going on, to be able to do that was really, I felt good about that. There's lots more pressure out there. Travel was a lot harder. There's lots of travel restrictions and still was able to make it happen, even though it kind of, I had it all planned out, mapped out just like I wanted it to be. And then when COVID and all that happened, it really just churned, you know, pretty much threw everything I'd planned into a blender and I had to figure it out from there, but made it happen. So great season for me. How many, now you hunted not nearly as many states as usual because of COVID. Your big trip got canceled, right? So Correct. How many states did you, how many new states did you kill in and how many states total did you hunt? I killed in one new state, which was a little disappointing, but if I'd not thrown this last minute trip together, it would have been I, would have, I would have killed in no new states. Yeah, you can't do that. No, not at all. And that is the only new state that I hunted in. Hmm. That was Michigan. 
So Michigan was big for me in the respect that it filled in the Midwest area. It's yeah. the last state I needed to fill in that area. So basically, yeah. and I haven't looked at the map yet, but from basically from, oh, let's say Colorado and New Mexico going, well, we still have the scourge of Arkansas and Louisiana, but uh, <laughs> they're in the Southeast. That's not really you know, the area that I'm talking about. So, you know, going from Colorado, New Mexico, swinging all the way across the country, it's not until you hit PA. Yeah. So you've not got pretty much the center of the United States. Pretty much everything is gone around that area is marked off the list. And so, yeah, I've got to spend a couple of years in the Northeast. And when I say it like that, I've got to spend a couple of trips over a couple of years' time in the Northeast and go ahead and get those states marked off the list. Going out west, I've got Colorado, New Mexico, Nevada, California, and Hawaii. Mm -hmm. So I don't lack much. Arkansas and Louisiana, I'm trying to kind of figure out because, you know, they're they're kind of, uh, they're in that gray area for me. And don't get me wrong, I'll drive six hours seven hours to go and turkey hunt for a weekend. Yeah. And because that's about what they are, anywhere from five hours to eight hours away, depending on where you go in the state. Mm -hmm. But I don't want to go every weekend until I kill in those states. Yeah, I mean, yeah. But at some point in time, I've got to get it done. Yeah. And I don't see things getting better population-wise in those two states, especially yeah. after this year. Yes. I will say I saw that Arkansas has already modified their season for next year. It's even later. Yeah. I believe it's a 21-day season, maybe. Maybe 20 days. Yeah. And you can only kill one bird per person per WMA. So you can't get your two-bird limit on a single WMA. I think that's a wise move, too. It is. You know, the the thing is, just like the majority of our laws scattered across the country, so much of it's on the honor system. It is. And so that'll affect a good portion of the hunters who actually care for the resource and understand that these laws are there for the turkeys. But yeah, you're right. There'll be people who kill one on, you know, Silomore WMA or a certain national forest out there and they'll check it in and go kill another one, check him in on the neighboring WMA. Right. So, yeah, you know that, but I will say it looks like, I mean, Arkansas understands they have a problem. They're trying their best. It looks like to me. And so I really hope they see a rebound. I mean, that used to be a wild turkey stronghold. It did. I mean, that's sad to me. I don't know if people realize that. Like they trapped and transplanted turkeys from Arkansas to other states. (laughs) Yep. And now Arkansas's struggling. I mean, they're really struggling. Yeah. And Louisiana too. I mean, I know, uh, Kenny Morgan, one-man game, I believe he was a Louisiana native. And from what my readings in that book have showed me, there was quite a few turkeys down there back in the day. Yeah. You know, for me, it's one of those things I look at it and I say, okay, the states are, in my opinion, and my opinion's based a lot on current research that has that is being done and recent research that has been completed by Brett Collier and Mike Chamberlain and some other biologists around the country. 
you know, I look at those two states and I say, okay, well, they're doing things that I think are going to increase and benefit the population. There is one humongous wild card out there, and that's weather. Yeah. And so I look at it and I say, okay, I can wait. And maybe in three years, two or three years, the populations will be a little bit better. And if they are, that improves my chances for success in those states. But then I say, you know, is it really going to work? Because there is that wild card out there of the weather and no one has control over that and no one knows. And it's so different from area to area. You know, you can you can have six inches of rain right after the majority of the poults have hatched in one WMA in Arkansas and travel 20 miles to the south. And they may have had a half of an inch of rain. Yeah. And their poults didn't hatch until the day after. You know, when I say their poults, I mean, you know, the the vast majority of their poults hatched or started hatching, you know, a day or two days afterwards, after that rain. Yeah. And so, you know, that WMA can have a, a good population in a couple of years, whereas the one that got six inches of rain may have no birds that survived the, you know, to recruitment stage that year. So... You know, it's just area dependent and uh, I mean, it's really just kind of a crapshoot and and we have to, as we're going to these states, we have to rely on what these biologists are telling us and what other hunters are sharing with us to know, am I going to be wasting my time going to XYZ WMA or National Forest? Yeah, I mean, they know where the birds are, where they have been and where they've vanished. So yeah. Yeah, you got to take that. Those are the states where it's vital to pick the correct area. Yeah. Because they don't all have the same amount of turkeys. But all it takes in Arkansas, and just like any other state, you need five minutes of the correct happenings, and it's done, you know? Mm-hmm. So we'll get it done there. I've been there two years, hunted twice in two years there, and you have been there the past two years as well, right? Correct. So we went once together, and then last, this past season that we just finished, you went with a friend, and I went over there for two Saturdays, and we neither of us have a bird to show yet. I, I haven't even gotten close. I think you had a couple close encounters in Arkansas, but... Boy, do I have a good hunt to play from Arkansas. <laughs> and one heck of a story. Oh, man. That's what I like to hear. Yeah, yeah. So Unbelievable. And that really, you know, as far as recapping the season goes, that was my season this year. Whether it was Arkansas or Alabama, it was awesome. It was a great, great year. Yeah, I just don't I mean, have a lot of meat in the freezer to show from it. That's what I was going to say. Even though I haven't killed in Arkansas, I mean, I haven't necessarily not enjoyed my time there. I mean, when, when you and I went, we were on turkeys. We had a fun time. I mean, we got to pursue them and we had a blast. Yeah. And I want to kill, but... It's still fun. <laughs> yeah. Better than, better than sitting at the house. <laughs> yes, indeed. Yes, indeed. So let's see. Let, let's take your season. So take us through chronologically, you know, where did you start, states you went to, kind of in order, and overall, like, how, how did those hunts go? So I'm, I think your first hunt was Alabama, right? That's correct. Yeah. So our season opened in Alabama on March the 21st, and had a very good opening morning hunt. I went ahead and got my first spooked bird out of the way. (laughs) 
And I thought the person that, for you to follow. <laughs> exactly. I thought, okay, well, that's good. I went ahead and just got this one that I just spooked out of the system and it'll be uphill from here. Yeah. Little did you know he was the omen. <laughs> <laughs> yes. So the next day is when Chip and I went to Georgia and met you over there. Yeah, that was an awesome day. Awesome day. Got to watch a turkey die there. Yes. And then we hunted there for, I'm going to say it was a day and a half, but it really wasn't because one full day of that day and a half, it poured. Yeah. I mean, that was a big reason why I called you and said, you need to get here today. <laughs> yeah. The rain is coming and the birds are hot. Like you need to be here for one good day. <laughs> yeah. So I got to see Chip Kill was a part of that hunt. And you guys have heard that hunt. Cameron and I were were helping Chip out on that one. And so that was very exciting, a great way to spend day number two of turkey season. And so, and we would not have been as successful there if it were not for Cameron already having been there and and scouted for us. So that was a big help. And I I know Chip is extremely grateful to you for that. So it was awesome. I I enjoyed it. It was just nice because I know we had not planned, we had not had a hunt planned together. And so it was awesome that we actually did get to go out on a hunt together this season. Yeah. Yeah. I enjoyed that. Meeting Chip and him getting to join. I mean, that Chip was great. We, the three of us hunted great together. It was an awesome time. And we got to shed some blood, which is always helpful. Yes. So that, that was definitely a heck of a second day. Yeah. Sure was. So I left there, went back to Alabama. And I promptly called in a bird to about 20 to 25 yards and spooked him. I've got some of the audio from that hunt, but my battery died in the recorder. So I don't have what I'm going to say is, well, probably the best two parts of that hunt. One of those two parts is when the turkey gobbles and he is 20 yards from me. And there's nothing between me and him. The other, the second best part of that is my reaction after I spooked him and he took off running. So I don't have that part of that hunt, but it was pretty good leading up to that. There was a lot of goblin leading up to that, which was good. So from there, I called in a turkey for my nephew, who has only been hunting, gosh, probably, well, he's been turkey hunting with me that was day number three and day number four ever in his 21 years. And so we got a bird within 50 to 55 yards and he had my 12 gauge and he made the very wise decision to not take a shot at this bird. I could not see the bird very well from, he was moving from our left to our right and coming at us at an angle. And as soon as he got my nephew sitting in front of me, and as soon as he got to where he walked from my left to my right, and my nephew was between me and the turkey, from there, as he moved, as the turkey moved to the right, I could not see him very well at all. And so I mm-hmm. couldn't judge the distance to say, hey, that turkey's 50 steps, take a shot. And so yeah. I asked him, I said, hey, how far is that bird? And he said, I think that turkey is... 60 yards and i said don't shoot and so he did not shoot after the hunt we stepped it off and it was 55 steps so probably closer to 50 yards 49 48 49 50 yards somewhere in that neighborhood 
Well, still, I mean, that's right on the cusp of lethal range. So I think it was a wise decision. I'm going to tell you this. If I had been sitting where he was sitting and I had Black Death in my hands with some number nine <laughs> TSS shot, <laughs> we'd have been cleaning turkey. Or I would have missed the first shot and killed him on the second shot at 62 steps. Once the pattern opened up a little bit. Right, right. <laughs> I mean, those shells are cheap enough to where, you know, I, I need to shoot up a box or two of them. Heck yeah. I mean, they're only like 20 bucks a shell. So mm-hmm. no deal. Piece of cake. I'm with him. I like his I like his idea there. If you're not comfortable with the shot and it's a personal opinion, if you're not comfortable with the shot, don't take it. Yeah. And he's so. not he's not all that experienced in hunting, period. You know, he's been a few times. He's not a big fan of deer hunting. And yeah. other than me, that's what my family does. They deer hunt. Now, you know, they still get out and they'll rabbit hunt or dove hunt or squirrel hunt if those opportunities present themselves, but it primarily is deer. And he does not, my nephew does not like to be out in the cold. That's cool. Um, That's fine. No problem. I'm with him also. I'm not liking deer hunting. I like to eat them, but. I like to eat them. And it is absolutely one of the most boring things that I do in a year's time is deer hunting. But as long as my dad wants to do it, I'm going. Yeah, so I I still go over now and then. I mean, it's a chance to see the sunrise and watch nature. But whew, man, until one of those deer hops up on a limb and rips a couple gobbles right <laughs> at daylight, I'm not gonna be out there hunting them very hard. Yeah, yeah, no, <laughs> I I completely understand that. So from there, I had several more close encounters. I had a hunt with a miss that I have zero audio on because it was a blind hunt where I just sat down in an afternoon at about, I don't know, it was probably one o'clock. I sat in the shade, leaned back against a tree, closed my eyes, and took a little nap, woke up, and not long after that, a turkey comes in. So, you know, I wasn't going to sit there and just run the recorder on nothing, and the turkey pretty much came in silent. It was clucking in the woods before it came out into the food plot that I was set up on. But, uh, you know, you hear clucking and I always think clucking is a gobbler cluck because that's what I want to hear. And it's not always what it is. So I didn't bother to press record on the recorder, but it would not have been a hunt to listen to anyway. So 50 yards, maybe, maybe 50 yards, stretching it. Probably was more like 45, a swing and a miss with the sweet little 20-something. So, oh yeah. as much as I wanted to be frustrated about that, I really wasn't. It just, you know, it was like deer hunting turkeys. I mean, I, I was in yeah. a great spot, great location. But it's not like you did battle with him for half an hour or an hour and then... Or even 15 or even five minutes. Yeah, I mean, you didn't even know he was coming. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, I, I get what you're saying there for sure. Yeah, so if you're going to have a catch and release turkey hunt... That's the one to do it. That's the one to do it on. Now, was I frustrated because I'd had all these other screw-ups up to that point? Yeah, a little bit, but yeah, it wasn't like a normal kick yourself in the rear end all the way back to the pickup truck kind of miss. Yeah. So that wasn't too bad. I had from that point, let's see, I think after that is when I went to Arkansas with Chip and mm-hmm. we hunted public ground up there. I've told you guys most of what went on up there. You know that we did, we were not successful in killing, but we were successful in having a good time and having some great hunts and seeing some beautiful country. 
and meeting some good people again. And then it was back to Alabama from there where I had a couple more close encounters, got to hunt with a couple of friends, finally got my first kill under the belt. And you guys heard that hunt. Two or three days later, I got another kill under my belt. And what was so awesome about that kill for me is it was on my little piece of property south of Birmingham. And I've been wanting to kill a turkey on that little piece of property for the past three or four years. I've killed a bunch of turkeys around there on my neighbor's properties who've given me permission over the years to hunt there. So for probably the past, you know, four or five years, I haven't, I have not even asked a neighbor for permission to hunt their property over there because it has been my goal to kill one on my place. Well, heck, I mean, right there, that that makes the whole season. It does. You're and you killed a turkey on it finally it does yeah and it was a heck of a turkey and a heck of a hunt so we'll hear the audio from that one here in a few weeks but it was awesome i mean it was it was really cool so i leave there and well i had a went back to the hunting club to kind of wrap the season up and had a phenomenal hunt with my son chris and i don't think i have all of the audio from that hunt either i have to go back and listen to how much of it i just have but again i was hunting with someone who does not have a lot of turkey hunting experience and we got a show so depending on how much audio we have from that hunt i'll play the audio for you but you guys are definitely going to hear this the story of this hunt because it is awesome it's awesome i mean (laughs) it's what we love as turkey hunters every bit of what we love as turkey hunters was in that hunt so that was cool so that pretty well wrapped up alabama season for me yeah i thought that i was done but i didn't want to be done so at that point in time i started putting putting together the out-of-state trip got with chip got with john they said they were in so wisconsin minnesota michigan here we come and you guys have heard a little bit of that already so that pretty well wraps up my season. I mean, it was, I, I, I think, you know, as I look back and I reflect on myself as a turkey hunter 20 years ago, late 20s, close to 30 years old, all I wanted to do was kill every single turkey I heard, saw, or ran across. Yeah. Now, obviously I didn't, I couldn't have. Even though I wanted to, I couldn't have. So I look at myself back then and I look at myself now and I can tell you that if I had had this season that I just had back then, I would have been fit to be tied. Mm. But I am just, it really, other than getting an opportunity to, to turkey hunt with my dad, which I didn't get to do primarily because of COVID. And then as I said towards the end of season, I was going to try to hunt with him. I was just going to have him meet me there instead of, you know, riding with me and, you know, staying with me in the camp and on and on and on. But his schedule didn't allow for us to hunt together. So other than me not getting to hunt with him, it I really just couldn't have played this season out any better. So Heck yeah, I've talked a lot. We've got a lot of my audio to listen to because we haven't listened to much of it because there haven't been a whole lot of booms in it. I want you to take me from Florida all the way through Minnesota. 
So my season began in South Florida this year on the opening day. I think, if I'm not mistaken, Hawaii did open earlier, but we'll say for the majority of hunters, opening day of turkey season in Florida. And the way it started out, I just knew this was going to be one of those years. So opening morning in Florida, as y'all heard in two separate hunts that we've already aired on the podcast, went with a buddy, John, and he killed right off the roost. And then an hour and a half later, I killed a bird in Florida. So it delayed double on opening day. We hunted two more days in Florida and packed it up and went home. And the following weekend was opening morning in Mississippi. And I went and hunted with Andrew, who was also on the podcast. And we were all over turkeys on some of the most beautiful southeastern ground I've ever seen. And he missed a bird on the second day of season. And we got close many other times. But he missed a bird. But that experience was, I mean, the audio from it's ridiculous. The turkey was roosted in the tree we sat on. I, I haven't had that happen before. So yeah. it, it was, was just a, crazy. The, the drumming. If you if you listen back on that episode and you put headphones in and you get in a quiet place and turn the volume all the way up, you can feel the drumming. It's like you're there. And that was just insane. I mean, the adrenaline rush from that was crazy. So Mississippi was a success in my eyes. I mean, we didn't get any meat but we had a shot fired and we were all over birds we actually had a bird miss the afternoon before from another fella but so we saw two misses in mississippi and then the next weekend was georgia so i went to georgia drove after work friday got to georgia early in the morning saturday slept for an hour or so and then went out and hunted i ended up killing two really nice gobblers in georgia on opening morning in like the first 30 minutes so that was nice and didn't get any audio from it that wasn't so nice (laughs) but at that point i heard some other birds gobbling so i called andy as we've talked about and him and chip came down and the next morning although it started out very quietly turned into a heck of a hunt with tons of strategy i mean that was just my kind of that's my kind of hunt where you have to reposition it's just a big chess match with a whole flock i mean my gosh you can't get any better than that so yeah we ended up getting chip a bird beautiful two-year-old gobbler i mean just he was gorgeous and that was georgia so then i went back home and scouted in tennessee for the week and then went back to georgia for a second weekend trying to fill my last tag did not hear a gobble all weekend. The weather was horrible, but had some fun time exploring Georgia. Found a ton of sign, marked some spots for future years, and went back home. The next weekend was Tennessee's opener, so I killed a bird on opening day and then killed my second bird on Monday on the third day and my third bird on Tuesday or Wednesday. I killed three birds in the first couple of days. I mean, it was... I had Tennessee, I was very confident going into season because I had really put in some boot work before season. I I knew and I felt like not only did I know where turkeys were, I knew multiple different gobblers and I knew their habits and I just kind of knew where to go. So Mm -hmm. I combined that with being able to call them up and I hit them at a good time when they were lonely. So it just worked out great in Tennessee. So I got my first three birds in Tennessee that first week. 
headed out to Texas, took my wife with me. She had a blast. We went and stayed at Spoke Hollow Ranch in Texas, and y'all heard that hunt last week. I killed a Rio down in Texas on the second day there. We had a blast, ate some really good food, hung out with Josh and his family. It was absolutely awesome. And so I got my Rio in Texas, so that was state number three for the year. Headed back home the next morning. We got home at like midnight from Texas. I got up the next morning. I couldn't stand it. I went turkey hunting <laughs> and killed my fourth bird in Tennessee. So at this point, I'm done in Tennessee. I can't shoot anymore. So after that, I believe the next morning, I took my brother Thomas and my brother Will, so two of my brothers, and I went to our family farm where nobody had killed a turkey in the season so far. And I caught up a really nice gobbler for Thomas right off the roost. Awesome hunt. Y'all haven't heard the audio from this one yet. And he killed him at like 15 yards. It was awesome. Actually, I put the video on my Instagram if you want to look at it. But killed him. So Thomas got him. So I got to experience that with two of my brothers, which was really cool. And then the next morning, I took a guy who had never killed a turkey. And he said, hey, I've been hearing one goblin on my deer lease. You know, will you take me? And I was like, heck yeah, man, I'll take you. So we went out there. Bird did it just right, 30 yards. And I think his nerves got to him a little bit. So he missed him. But it was a clean miss. And, you know, he may not have understood now, but he'll understood at some point in his life when he's killed a bunch of turkeys. Catch and release turkey hunting is not the worst thing in the world. No. So he was pretty frustrated. And, you know, I felt for him because the first turkey I ever shot at in my life i missed him but i actually hit him with a 20 gauge and it did not kill him and then he got up and ran off so it was hmm. you know that was my first experience and so i really felt for him on the miss on his first experience but anyway that happened on that weekend i went to arkansas heard a bird gobble at about one o'clock one time that was it and hunted tennessee with a couple different people my brother ryan a cousin of mine, Samuel, and got on some birds, didn't have much happen, found a bird with my brother Thomas, and we hunted him for a couple mornings, and then on the third time, we were planning on hunting him, Thomas texted me and said, hey, I can't go, but I got up and went to him anyway, and I videoed the whole thing as I called the turkey up to <laughs> about 20 steps, <laughs> and sent the video to Thomas, he was real thrilled. And uh, so that bird, he was a bad dude. He stayed in the tree for well over an hour after daylight every morning. He just knew he was going to gobble up a hen, and he did every morning except for the one that Thomas didn't go with me. Mm -hmm. And I called him up. I mean, it was just perfect. And then we actually tried to hunt him again on the last two days of season, and he had more hens then than he had the whole rest of the season. But anyway... Tennessee was fantastic. And then Scott McDonald came, and sadly he got coronavirus at 1 o'clock on the first day he was here. Yeah. So that was awful and felt terrible for him. We got on a gobbling bird the one morning he was here but couldn't make it happen, and he had to go home, obviously. I mean, he, he seriously got coronavirus. So luckily he's recovered. He's completely healthy now from what I've heard, but... That was about the extent of my Tennessee season. I ended up calling, let's see. Yeah, that was about it. I, I didn't call any more up for anybody in Tennessee that I know of. But I did go out, and even after I tag out, I mean, I'm going to go every morning as long as season's open Yeah. with or without somebody. I'm, I'm just going to go. So we then went to Maine. Well, we the goal was to get to Maine and New Hampshire, but on the way there, we stopped in West Virginia. 
I killed a bird in West Virginia on the first morning, and then we drove on to Maine, and all four of us were able to tag a bird in Maine. Actually, three of us tagged out. We all killed two, and then my brother Thomas got one, and then we moved over to New Hampshire. I killed one there, and Thomas killed one there on the opening day that we were there, and so we moved to Vermont, and I killed in Vermont, and in Vermont, we encountered the ice devil himself which (laughs) i have audio from and holy cow this thing i'll tell you this the sight of this turkey will never under any circumstance leave my brain i mean it's going to take some major dementia to get rid of the thought of that turkey because he pitched so imagine you're on a mountain and you've been sitting at the base of the mountain for two hours in 20 degree weather with snow pouring in your face and there is snow blanketing the entire mountain and you can see the turkey at the very top he was strutting and gobbling on the limb and then he pitched off the top of the mountain and literally looked like gabriel the archangel descending through the trees he came straight down from, I don't know how many feet high he was when he pitched out because he was up top, you know? Yeah. And I mean, he just was sailing and then he like stopped and just for the duck hunters who listen, it looked like a mallard coming through the timber. Like he just started chopping his wings and came straight down to 20 yards in front of me. Mm -hmm. I, I I will never forget that sight. It literally looked like an angel descending from heaven into my like right on top of him. And then I proceeded to miss him twice. So Mm. the freaking ice devil, man, I I got some really good audio from that. I fooled him the first time with some Jake Yelps. Second time, I just knew his routine. I I used pressure to my advantage, missed him twice. He was, as my mentor says, he was a charmed turkey. That's what he refers to when a turkey just somehow survives every encounter. And so Vermont, that was awesome. I ended up killing a bird in Vermont. And then went back home. Tennessee closed, sat on the sidelines for weeks in agony, and went to Minnesota this past weekend for their last weekend of season and killed a bird there. So that was that was my season. And it was one for the books. I mean, it, it really was. The sights, sounds, smells, people, I'll never forget it. I don't think I'll ever forget it. Yeah. So yeah. It, if, if you had to... There's my summary, but for me, the sight from this year that I'll never forget is that that gobbler in the snow strutting and gobbling on the limb and then seeing him descend through the treetops to 20 yards from me. That's the sight that I'll remember from the season, even though it's not even one I killed. For you, when you think 2020 turkey season, what's the image that comes in your head? Hmm. Tough question because there's so many good ones. There's got to be one. Every time somebody's like, what happened in 2017? I'm immediately like, boom, okay, here's the first go-to. You know what I mean? So, wow. I mean, there really are so many good ones. (laughs) Okay, so the hunt with my son, Chris, just listening to his reaction, because we're sitting against the same tree, was hard to beat. Yeah. And I thought that that was going to be the moment, the hunt. Because some of us, we don't really catch that turkey bug on the first turkey hunting trip out in the woods. I didn't. But I thought 
that was going to be it for him. I thought, okay, he's hooked, and I'm not sure that he's hooked. Hmm. I'll find out. Yeah, we'll see you next year. Season rolls around. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, if he's texting you saying, hey, when are we going? <laughs> yeah. So I don't really want to let too much of the cat out of the bag because I've got some good audio from our trip to the Midwest. But if Chris's hunt's number one, then Chip's hunt, or really I need to say it this way, Chip's two hunts in Minnesota on back-to-back days would be mm-hmm. number two. Yeah. And so right. I'm not... audio from those. Yeah, I'm, I'm not going to say a whole lot about that until we get the audio playing on those two hunts. That, you know... And again, I mean, I'm, I'm going back. I'm going to say this one more time. And, I, and it's just because I just now thought about it. My hunt in Michigan is, <laughs> I, I mean, I, I, I seriously, it's got to be a once-in-a-lifetime occurrence. If that, I would agree with you on that one. If that ever happens to me again, I think I may put my gun up. And No, I'm not even going to say that because that's not going to happen. You ain't putting your gun up. No, that's not going to happen. throw you in the casket. I, I just don't, I mean, there's no way that's going to happen again. <laughs> no, I don't think it will happen again. I don't, no way. So I don't know that I'd make a practice out of uh, attempting that every time, but yeah, but unreal. it didn't even occur to me that that might be the thing that sticks out in my head as the hunt from 2020. Yeah. So, you know, I went to the people that I took and was able to help either kill or do everything except kill on a hunt. Yeah. So, you know, I, I still, I'm going to stick with with one of those two as my top one, and I may just put them both up there as my top yeah. experience for 2020. Yeah. So for you, you hit eight new states. Yes. And killed I know, it. I know, you're true, you killed in eight new states. I know it's hard to do this. What is your number one state out of those eight, whether it is, and and I'll ask you to elaborate why, but maybe it's the hunt that took place or just the experience of the entire trip. What's your number one state out of those eight? Man, wow, you're really taking it up a notch here, all right? I'm trying to get even with you for that last question. Yeah, that's a good point. I know I put you on the spot with that one. I know, okay, so this may come across as because it's the freshest on my mind, but I'm telling you, Minnesota, when I pulled the trigger and saw that turkey flopping, that was probably either that one or Vermont. Those were two of the most satisfying. I can't pick between those two. Minnesota, because the main reason I went in my turkey hunting room that I have as my shrine to all thing turkeys, I have on the wall a list of turkey hunting rules. And rule number three, if I'm not mistaken, it's number three, is called Jolly's Axiom. And that's in reference to Ron Jolly, who was on our show not too long ago about his book. Mm -hmm. But his axiom is you must be present to win. And I took that to heart. And so... I kept debating Minnesota. Am I really going to drive 10 to 11 hours to hunt for two mornings? Am I really going to do that? And I kept thinking of that must be present to win. You must be present to win. And I thought, you know what? I only have so many spring mornings in my lifetime. It's not like I get to do it every day of my life. I'm going. If it happens, it happens. And so when I, and the hunt was insane, which I won't elaborate kind of like you did on yours. I won't elaborate, but 
The hunt was crazy. Adrenaline was pumping at another level, and I killed a bird after driving 11 and a half hours and parking for an hour. That that has to be one of the top ones. And climbing a freaking mountain. Yeah, I know. Somebody on my Instagram argued that it wasn't a mountain if it was Minnesota, and I was like, I tell you what, I'll. You know, if I wasn't going to have to kill you by showing you this spot, I'd let you try to climb this thing and tell me it's not a freaking mountain because it's a mountain. Oh, elevation wise, I would have to say it's a hill. But (laughs) but when you put it that much of an elevation change over that short of a distance. Yeah, it's a freaking length. It's a mountain. Yeah. And 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 it's black snot yeah that you're I mean, climbing you can't up rip it like i was like slide every step yeah. you take you slide halfway back yeah i mean it, it was just, but yeah i worked for that turkey in Minnesota. yeah i worked for him and you know i was on an hour of sleep and had to climb that was my first introduction to minnesota so it was very <laughs> motivating but you're vermont, welcome cameron yeah vermont would be my number two just because I was having a really big for that. I struggled hard in Vermont. I mean, I found a turkey, but he kept whooping the soup out of me. And finally, on the last morning that we were there, I that was the snowy morning. I've never in my life been that cold ever. I can hands down tell you, I don't know if I'll ever be that cold again. I got there at two hours before daylight and snuck in under his roost and set up while snow was hitting me in the face, crosswind into my face and hands, my fingers. I I did not like, it felt like they were splitting in half. And then this bird pitches down and I missed him Mm -hmm. because literally the snow had built up on my gun rail so much that I could not see my bead. So I went from, that was one of the most frustrated sickening times in my like turkey hunting career because i worked so hard for that bird and it was the last day but you know it was sickening but it also was an insane hunt like i after now i'm looking back like wow i wouldn't give that for anything but you know at the time i really wanted that bird and i persisted and we had two more hours and i went to another piece of property and just started covering ground and i ended up striking a bird and killing him within the last 30 minutes of what we were going to hunt and so that that would be my other favorite hunt not to say those are the best two states that i went to overall right but experience and for me it's a correlation of how hard did i work to get the reward mm-hmm. <laughs> and it's just like everything else in life, the harder you work when you finally reach the reward portion of it, it's that much sweeter. And I'd say those two were the hardest I worked for a bird. I want to touch on that and elaborate on that a little bit more because I know that because you are very active on Instagram and social media that you have people say to you, man, I would love to be able to do what you do. Just pick up and go to this state and just go to this uh, state over here and just, you know, take off work and go do this. What do you do for a living? How do you get a chance to do all this? How do you, you know, blah, 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 blah. I've my frustration with that crap. Oh, my gosh. It is because Cameron wants to. Anyone listening to this show can do the same exact thing that Cameron is doing if they want to, if they put the time into it, if they have the drive to do it, if they have yeah. that will to make it happen. You cannot 
you guys listening to this show cannot sit on your rear ends and say, I want to kill a turkey in every state and not put forth the effort to get it done. It's not easy. I could do 10 episodes on this topic because I get it every way you can imagine on social media people saying man you're so lucky to be able to do this i wish i could you know what how the heck do you do that with your you know what job do you have it must blah, be blah. nice to be independently wealthy you know yeah i mean all this yeah. crap and i'm like look i probably make less money than you i'm not rich by any means i have a very you know stable job i'm very normal i get 10 vacation days a year that is below industry average, in my opinion. And I have a wife, and it, it's not like I'm out here living in a van doing everything on my own because I had this big inheritance or something. I, I'm Everything's average. And Minnesota, Georgia, I literally left after work on Friday and drove all freaking night to hunt for two mornings. Yeah. Anybody can do that. Yep. Unless you work on Saturday and Sunday, and I get there are certain individuals who work sure. seven days a week. You know, there's certain ones. Yeah. But the lion's share of people get Saturday and Sunday off, and they get off work at five. And that's what I. That's exactly how my life is. And then I have ten vacation days, and I do take one week off for a big trip. And my wife sacrifices those as vacation days she could spend with me. So we're taking a lot of sacrifice in life to make this happen financially. Time off things like that. It, I, I live a very average life and people are always like, what, what job do you have? You know, what do you do for a living? Well, I do what everybody else is doing. I work eight to five every day. I go hunt before work every morning in Tennessee, even though it's an hour and a half, I'm out there. It's more than I'd get if I wasn't out there. Right. So I, I don't, I don't understand the mentality there. And I hope everybody doesn't do what I'm doing. Cause I'd rather you all sit at home and pout and you know, message me about how you wish you could do what I'm doing while I'm out doing it, please <laughs> sit at home and send me that. <laughs> I'll be in your state killing a turkey. So, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, I just, you know, that sorry for the rant, but it, it really bothers me. And I've talked to you about it before that people act like I have some kind of privilege and have all this money that I don't have. I mean, it, I drive a Kia Optima to save on gas. I, I have it all kind of calculated out. <laughs> Yes. You do so much planning. And that's the other thing that I want to elaborate on here and and cover is, you know, a lot of people will look at your season and say, man, that's awesome. You know, you you were really lucky to be able to get all this done. And you were lucky to be able to get it all done. Heck yeah. But the fact that you spend so much time time planning for success cannot be ignored you do not go somewhere and just hope and pray that you're going to have success notice i said just hope and pray that you're going to have success because i know that that still goes on but you put forth the time and the energy the effort to do your planning to make phone calls to know not just what piece of public ground you're going to go to but you pretty well know what road you're going to park on what direction you're going to walk when you leave the vehicle and yeah uh, yeah you've got all of this planned out you know where you're going to stay at night yes you know how long you're going to be there 
I bet you have it figured out as to how much gasoline it's going to cost you. Oh, yeah. That I got you're going to burn out. to get from point A to point B. I have it figured out every way from Sunday. That's what the months of June through February are for in life. It is to figure all that out. Thank you. And I literally have it to where I know the exact pin drop I'm going to be standing at at daylight in so-and-so state. And then I know if I do not hear a gobble from this position, I literally have a route picked out to walk where it maximizes my opportunity at hitting habitat that looks suitable for turkeys for me. And I have about a 10-mile loop usually ready to go. If I do not hear a gobble, I know where I'm headed to where I maximize it. I'm staying on ridgetops where I'm not killing myself. It's so calculated. And that's a that's a big part of why I love it. I mean, it's a, it's just an addiction, man. It's a freaking disease and it's really got hold of me and I love it. I cannot get enough of it off season on season. My brain's on it. <laughs> yeah. And I know yours is too. You've been infected for more years than I have. So, <laughs> well, I will say this and I'm going to stand behind what I'm about to say. I've never hunted with him, but I've been around him a lot. Obviously, not around him as much as those who are nearest and dearest and closest to him. But I'm going to tell you that there's somebody else out there that we know that does a lot of planning, preparation, not just on the map, not just with phone calls, but is doing the off-season preparation, working out, running, staying yep. in physical shape, because that is all part of it. That all factors in on your success out in the woods. And is Jeff Buds, and yeah. you put forth as much effort as he does in your planning and preparation on paper all the way down to physically and mentally preparing yourself for it. And it shows your success in the woods proves that you really work hard at this to be successful. Yeah. I mean, the exercise portion of it, you don't have to be a fitness guru or anything to nope. be able to hunt turkeys, but... Newton's first law of motion is a body in motion tends to stay in motion. I want to be able to get to any turkey that gobbles and not have to slow down. So I'm going to exercise all off season. And when I'm running on the treadmill, I'm watching turkey hunting videos to keep me inspired. You know? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. There, it, it's not because I want to get jacked and get all strong and stuff. I literally, I want to be in good enough shape to where I can chase turkeys for three months. That's the goal. Yep. So That's it. That is the only reason I work out. I mean, exactly. Like you, me, people who do this, it is literally a lifestyle. Our decisions throughout the year, they're not solely based on it, but a lot of our lifestyle choices are based around the three months that is turkey season. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's it gives us motivation to stay in shape. You got to financially save up for it. You need to have a spouse who's on board with it. It is a it is a full lifestyle choice to be this type of turkey hunter. Yep. It is. So no doubt about it. I can tell you after hunting with two guys that I know extremely well, some of my best friends would go to war for these two guys. Absolutely love them. But after spending a week with them climbing hills in Minnesota, they're out of shape. Yeah. Did they bring me down? No. I've already killed in Minnesota and Wisconsin. Who did yeah. they bring down? They brought themselves down. That's right. Because 
they slowed themselves down physically. And in doing so, one of the things that they did was they chose to leave some very fine public hunting ground to go hunt some private ground that was not as hilly and it did not have near the number of turkeys that the public ground in the hills had. Yeah. It cost them two days. It did. I mean, from what you told me, I mean, that that's all it boils down to is what you just described. So, yeah. and, and so, you know, look, many of you guys listening to the show don't have the desire to go out and hunt every single day. Many of you listening to this show don't have the desire to kill a turkey in every state. Many of you guys who listen to this show just want to go and hunt your own little 200 acres. I say little. That's not little. Don't get me wrong. Yeah, yeah I would love Thank to have God. 200 acres. So please don't <laughs> get me wrong when I say that. But you know what I'm talking about. Stay, yeah. stay in your little world. How about that? Yeah, what you're exactly. comfortable with, what you know. And I will never, ever knock anyone for doing that. As long as you love what you're doing when you're doing it. If yes. that's all you care to do, man, I'm with you. And I hope you accomplish everything that you have a mind to accomplish yes. on that piece of property. Whether it's just hearing birds gobble or, hey, maybe you're not even really hunting them. Maybe you're just planting for them and managing the land for them. And you just like to go out and listen to them and watch them. And yeah. if that's what you want to do, that's great. But for you guys who listen to this show, who are looking at someone like Cameron or looking at someone like Jeff Buds and saying, I'd love to be able to do that. I'm telling you, you can make it happen. You can do it, but you have to have the drive and the desire to get it done because it's not going to fall in your lap and get done for you. Yes. You have to, I, I personally, I think you have to exercise because you're not going to be able to reach places where the turkeys are that are unpressured without it. You have to have, if you have a significant other, they have to be on board with it. That's a big deal. <laughs> and yeah. you have to make financial, you have to literally, I budgeted in to my annual, what I expect to make and spend turkey seasons in there. <laughs> I mean, yeah. it, a part of my life in every aspect so and i know it is yours too and it's just i can tell you know my first trip with you to north carolina and my first trip with most people you can tell who has the desire to the level that we have it to where it is literally all-encompassing because like that first time we went to north carolina we were covering 10 plus miles like it was nothing i mean we yeah hit it hard and you can tell when you go with somebody like that you can feel the energy and the the desire to find and kill turkeys and explore and all that you can literally feed off that energy and so i, I can tell as soon as i go with somebody you know is this a turkey hunter who goes on saturday morning is this a turkey hunter who goes you know five times a year or is this a turkey hunter who lives breathes reads about map scouts exercises every day thinking this is going to pay off in turkey season is this that type of guy and you can tell <laughs> yeah and that that's just kind of the lifestyle i've chosen i mean it, it truly is a lifestyle choice yeah and there's nothing wrong with being the guy who wants to go twice a year usually kills one turkey every year on his family farm there's absolutely nothing wrong with that 
Heck no. Heck yeah. I mean, I, I, I would, you know, applaud that just as much as anybody else. It's a matter of what your passions are in life. Yep. And for me, hearing the wild turkey gobble and chasing them all spring long for as many mornings as I can physically slam in to the short time frame we're allowed to hunt them, that is what I love. And that is what I want to do with as many of those mornings as I can. Yes, indeed. So, 2020, I think we both can agree, 2020, regardless of COVID, regardless of travel restrictions, travel bans, and the plethora of people who joined us in the woods, I think we can both say 2020 is a good year, and we will have memories from it that we'll remember for a lifetime. Without a doubt. Yes. Without a doubt. The only thing I would change about it is I'd shoot Trump an email and tell him to put a travel ban in place in July of 2019 so that COVID <laughs> didn't make it over here so that we could get our, our out-of-state trips done. But that's the only change I would make. It was it was a great year. I, yeah. I mean, it just you just have to take these things as they come up, like COVID-19, and deal with it. Yeah, and it's tough for... People like, I know you and I are kind of the same, but we like to have things scheduled and planned well ahead of time. And when a COVID-19 hits, it just throws it all out the window and it's time for the free-for-all of figuring out what the heck you're going to do now. Kind of like yeah. you had your trip planned, y'all had it all lined out, and it just got nixed. Oh, but yeah. you still made it happen. You went to three states and you took it upon yourself to help your buddies kill in two that they had not killed in, and you knocked out the state rather than sit at home and pout about how your trip got canceled. So, yep. you know, yep. just got to take it in stride, and hopefully we don't have to deal with a COVID-20 next year, but you never know. You never know. You never know. So mm -hmm. all, all we can hope for, Andy, and this is what I post almost every time I post a picture of a turkey, all we can hope for is to see it happen one more time. Indeed. I hope the that, good Lord graces me with that opportunity. That's all I ever asked for. And it might be me asking for it after not seeing a turkey for nine months, or it might be me sitting with one dead by my side. I just want to see it one more freaking time. Give me the opportunity to miss one more. <laughs> that's all I ask for. That is right. Three times at least. That's all I need. Well, man. Please, man. Well, I think we had a good season. I think we talked plenty tonight. I think folks will be tired of hearing us about an hour and a half in. So, yeah. What do you say we cut folks loose? We need to remind them. And I guess next week we'll release our Owl Hoot contest winner. Yeah. We, since we're both back in town and concentrating on what we do to be able to feed this passion that we have, which is work, not the passion. But that's what we do to feed the passion, is work. Since we're doing that, we need to see if we can get Mr. Pittman on the telephone on a little conference call and see if we can get us a winner picked out, because I'm sure these guys are ready to yeah. get a call Me too. Up for them. Yeah. I'm ready to get it sent to them, man. So. Yeah. Great. Indeed. We'll get that done. Let's do that. And then, you know what? Let's put on hold until January 1, our calling tips. All right. What do you say about that? I'm fine with that. I don't want to reveal too much information. Oh, yeah. Definitely. <laughs> Definitely. But I'm going to give one today. All right. So this is the last calling tip, folks. You're going to get till January. So you better be listening. Not only should you listen, but you should use what I'm going to tell you to do. Practice. It is, I'm looking at my calendar on my computer. It is June the 2nd. Whenever you listen to this, 
doesn't matter. Now is the time to practice. Do not put your turkey calls away. If you have diaphragm calls that you use, you will wear them out practicing between now and the time season opens next year. But you know what will also wear them out? Leaving them with tobacco spit in them, Sprite, Coke, not so cold beer, spit, and just putting them away. They're going to be ruined. Why don't you ruin them using them? Throw them in your car, and every time you're in your car by yourself, preferably, throw that thing in your mouth. Start yelping. Don't put them on your dashboard because you'll ruin them in a hurry in uh, 95-degree temperatures. Put the gloves on. Yeah, 150 degrees in your car. Be careful with that. But don't put your calls away. If it's a box call, pot and peg, scratch box, whatever, now is the time to practice with it. Continue getting better at calling. It is not going to make you a worse hunter, I will promise you. My season this year was drastically improved because I spent a good bit of time practicing my calling. And I said to myself, I want to get better at soft calling. And I've improved. Am I as good as I want to be? No. Will I ever be as good as I want to be? No, I'm not going to sound like Chris Parrish, but I don't have to. So you guys, don't put the calls away. Keep practicing. That's your calling tip for the week. And I'm going to ask you for the favor of the week also, and that is to please share this week's episode using the share button on your podcast player on whatever device it is that you listen to this show. If you will share that with two or three hunting buddies, Cameron and I would be very appreciative. And with that, we're going to wrap this thing up by saying thank you guys so much for tuning in this week. We know that you have choices. We appreciate you spending your time with us. We hope you have a wonderful week, and we look forward to seeing you again next week. Goodbye. Goodbye. Thanks for tuning in. You were just listening to the Turkey Hunter podcast. If you enjoyed the show, please go on over to iTunes and leave a five-star review. And make sure to head over to www.iamturkeyhunting.com to subscribe for free turkey hunting tips, tactics, strategies, and product reviews to help you have a more successful turkey season. And stay tuned for upcoming episodes on hunting afternoon birds, how to film your hunt, and the breeding cycle of hens, as well as some guest interviews. Thanks again for listening. We know your time is valuable, and we appreciate you sharing some of it with us. See you next week.